Hello, this is Sean Dixon, and I'm here with Brian Patterson and John Gonzalez. We are each returned mission presidents for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this is the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast. We are here to help prepare you to become successful Preach My Gospel missionaries and lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. In each episode, we explore powerful concepts from every chapter in Preach My Gospel. We will talk to return missionaries and others about their experiences and insights. You can even use this podcast to get institute credit. Let's get started. Well, welcome back to another episode of the, the podcast. Today we're going to be doing our second episode on chapter 9 of Preach My Gospel, which deals with how to find people to teach. Last time we talked about a variety of ways of, of finding people to teach, opening your mouth and seeking for referrals and using uh, the media or Facebook or all these different kinds of, of methods. Today we want to center in on a quote by President Gordon B. Hinckley that can be found on page 164 of Preach My Gospel, and it says this, President Gordon B. Hinckley taught, so many of us look upon missionary work as simply tracting. Everyone who is familiar with this work knows there is a better way. That's what we want to focus on that statement, there is a better way. That way is through the members of the church. Whenever there is a member who introduces someone, there is an immediate support system. The member bears testimony of the truth of the work. He is anxious for the happiness of his friend. He becomes excited as that friend makes progress in learning the gospel. And so, Brian and John, would you speak to that, that statement by President Hinckley where he says there is a better way? Why is working with members a better way, or maybe we could say the ideal way to do missionary work? Not to discount all these other important ways, but why is this one such an important one for missionaries to understand? If I could just preface our response to that, Sean, is there are only two ways to work with members. Ooh, this is good. This is profound. There are only two ways, and every listener ought to jot this down and underline it several times. Try not to swerve off the road as you're reaching for your pens right now. I'm trying to decide how seriously I'm taking this right now. <laughs> There's so. only two ways to work with members. Are you ready? I'm ready. The right way and the wrong way. <laughs> and too often I've seen the wrong way. So back to your question, Sean. Why did President Hinckley say this? He was saying this in the context of missionaries doing it the right way. What is the right way, Brian? Um, it's so much easier to talk about the wrong way. <laughs> we all shudder, right? We've had those experience with missionaries where it, it, it feels uncomfortable. It's it's awkward. There's a lot of pressure. Um, but there's just, it's so difficult to take somebody who knows nothing about the church who has no connection to the church or 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 its members and and help them work through the stereotypes that exist about the church and then enter into a group of people that they have no connection with there's no bond and they are a fish out of water if you will and while they may feel this this desire to improve themselves and come closer to God, they're among people 
that they have no connection with. On, in the very first paragraph, under the importance of members, work with members of the church to find people to teach. The first word, work, is important. It, it does take work. This takes effort. Um, the ideal situation is when members invite others to be taught and are present for the teaching. When members do this, more people are baptized and remain active in the church. Association with members is important because it softens people's hearts and often leads them to learn more about the restored gospel. This often means that they are brought into the circle of friends of church members, including active and returning members, recent converts, and part member families. There's something about that connection. And I think President Hinckley was trying to help us understand that since there's a connection already with members and those they know who are not of our faith, that allows the Spirit to work with that family and the missionaries to work with those people in such a way that the members really are doing the majority of the teaching through their, their example and through their regular connections. Missionary will leave eventually the mission. So if, if you don't find through the members, it's really important that, let's say you found through your own efforts, that as quickly as possible you get members involved to create that friendship. That's so right. either way, finding through your own efforts or through the members, it's imperative that you get members involved quickly for these, for these very reasons we're talking about. And Brian, you underscored the, the perfect word, work with members. The question is, how do you work with members in finding and it gets back to my statement, the right way and the wrong way. Too often we're working the wrong way with members, and we need to work the right way. I, I might uh, invite our listeners to picture a fruit tree in their mind. And on a fruit tree, there are big branches and there are small branches. And where does the fruit grow? If we were to see the fruit as those that would be interested and in, in, in willing to embrace the gospel, where, where do we find the fruit on a fruit tree? On the big branches or on the small branches? And uh, I'm not a fruit grower myself, but I, I know enough to, to understand that the fruit grows on the small branches. Uh, I might picture the big branches as the active members of the church. This is the bishop. This is the elders quorum, the Relief Society president, the ward mission leader, primary young mans, and so forth. Uh, the ward council, if you will. They do a really great job of supporting, of helping those that the missionaries are teaching, uh, of opening their homes to allow people to come in, to fellowship them at church. But so much of the fruit grows on the small branches. And, and Preach My Gospel helps us understand who, who these small branches might be. On page 165, it says, In addition to working with the active members, which I would call the big branches, right? Seek to find people to teach through part member families, prospective elders, returning members, and new members. These members are more likely to have friends of other faiths and be blessed as they share the restored gospel with their family members and friends. Uh, Elder Holland shared this, I believe that we have greater possibilities with a family that already knows something about the church than one that doesn't. Much has happened since those first folks went less active and perhaps a spouse, a child, or an in-law is now ready to hear the gospel 
I believe the memory of those first missionaries, the glimmer and the glow of the Book of Mormon they left in the home, the spirit those people once felt during the lessons are still lingering with that family. We may go through those lists of less actives pretty quickly, but in most units there are plenty to work with. Who knows when we might bring a whole family back into activity along with some new members of that household who knew nothing of the church until we, we returned to find them. So my my view is that missionaries have a, a too narrow view of what it means to work with the members. And they're forgetting that working with members includes less active members, part member families, recent converts, uh, those that have somewhat drifted away from the church. There, there's a great group. There's a lot of fruit right there. I think a principle that really stands out to me is the importance of a missionary building super trust with the members. A missionary might think, well, hey, every member, if I'm a missionary and I ask for a referral, every member is going to give it to me as much as they would give it to another missionary. But people don't always feel that way. They, they're waiting to, uh, waiting for the right missionaries to interact with their friends. They don't want to blow this opportunity. And if they see a missionary who's not faithful, a missionary who wastes time, who's not committed to their purpose, maybe one that just lingers in their house just to get out of the work, uh, one that's talking about things in their home that are just not very inspiring. You know, you're like, I, I just don't want that young man or young woman in, in front of my friends. And so when a missionary can come into a house and light up the house uh, and, and inspire those members to just deepen their own faith and they feel, they feel like closer to Jesus Christ when they're, when they're in the presence of these missionaries, they automatically are like, oh, this is our chance. Who can we get while we have these two missionaries right here? So I would always teach our missionaries, try to develop super trust. One big way to do that, I think, is to really build up their kids. When I have someone come into my home and connect with my children, build them up, um, I just love those people. I just, I just like, thank you so much for building my children and if missionaries go in and do that, I think members really become endeared to them and, and want to start sharing their friends with them. There's a statement in Preach My Gospel on page 165 in the paragraph just above the one you just read, Brian. It says, strengthening their understanding, meaning the members, strengthening the members' understanding of the doctrine of Christ will do more to increase their trust in you and to build their excitement to do missionary work than anything else you can do. And I would underline the word understand. Helping them understand is not just giving a lesson to them on the doctrine of Christ, although that would be very good to do. It's helping them understand the doctrine of Christ. And, uh, you know, just recently we've read in the New Testament when someone receives seed into good ground, it's he that heareth the word and understandeth it that will bring fruit. The member can't just hear the doctrine of Christ. They have to understand it, and that will cause them to do more than anything else they can do in, in terms of being excited for missionary efforts. John, you shared an experience you had with two missionaries when you were serving as a bishop. Would you mind sharing that experience with us? So I was serving as a bishop, and the missionaries who were assigned to our ward 
we'd always have them over for dinner. This was on the East Coast. And uh, every time they'd come into our home, they'd always ask me for a referral. And every time they asked me, I wouldn't have one. And I'd have some excuse. And it got to the point where I would start to manipulate the elders when they were in our home because I didn't want them to ask, especially in front of my children, because then my children, <laughs> Dad, you know, what are you doing? So I would, they'd come to dinner, and I would kind of control the conversation and and uh, control it long enough to where they had to leave, and they'd leave their little message. Don't forget, when he says manipulate the situation, he was a CIA agent, right? So, he is so skilled I, in this effort. So. I, I prided myself in being able to control the conversation. And I'd always ask the missionaries, you know, where are you from? And tell me about what you like to do. And, and we all like talking about ourselves. <laughs> and so I'd, they'd be in, you know, putty in my hands. And, uh, and so I did that until a, a missionary, I'm sure he was led by the Spirit, or he knew exactly what I was trying to do. And he turned the tables on me without me realizing and uh, we were speaking at the dinner table, and I asked him about himself, and he gave me a short answer. And then all of a sudden, he started asking me about me, where I was from, and what I like to do. And just like I said, we all like to talk about ourselves. <laughs> and I was sucked into this. Just I was just sucked in without even realizing it. And I was thinking, I like this missionary. I don't know what it is about him, but I like him. And he kept asking me about me and the family. And, and then all of a sudden he said, uh, Bishop Gonzalez, uh, could you share uh, with us uh, an experience you had on your own mission? And so I shared an experience. And as I shared it, the Spirit entered into our home, as I recall those tender experiences from my mission. And then this wonderful elder said, uh, Bishop, would you be willing to pray to have a missionary experience in the next couple of weeks? And that was something I was willing to do. And we were right in the moment the Spirit was there, and I said, yes, I will. And so I started praying as a result of this missionary asking me to have a missionary experience. And I don't know how whether it was a week or two weeks, I don't know how long after this happened, I'm in the Subway sandwich shop with my daughter, and we're in line waiting to be at that counter to order my foot-long Italian sub with everything on it. And as I got to the counter, I'm telling the individual who's working at Subway what I want, and at one point I said, and, and put jalapenos on it. And I said it like that, and he looked at me, he said, do you speak Spanish? I said, yes. And he was a Latin individual. And he said, where did you learn Spanish? And immediately the spirit hit me because I had remembered what I'd been praying for. Been praying for. <laughs> and, and the reason it hit me is I learned my Spanish on my mission. And so we had a brief conversation right there. Uh, did he know about the church? No, he didn't. Would he like to know some more? Yes. Make a long story short, Felix Jimenez from Peru, uh, an attorney who actually uh, had left Peru because he had prosecuted some bad guys and he was leaving the country to, to save his own life. He was in our home, had the lessons. He joined the church, 
a wonderful brother. He, a, a couple weeks later, he shared his testimony. And in that testimony, he was saying he was praying to have relief from the pains of his world, of, of his life, when all of a sudden someone entered and, and introduced him to the gospel. All as a result of a missionary inviting kind of a prideful bishop who was kind of prideful that he knew how to control the situation and the spirit was there and and that was the finding moment and and it was a spiritual experience for everyone involved he asked you to exercise your faith and that took faith on his part to to extend that invitation awesome what a what an amazing amazing experience it reminds me of something uh Elder Henry B. Eyring shared, God will put prepared people in the way of prepared servants who want to share the gospel. Because you were praying, and, and God knew that your heart was prepared, he put somebody prepared in your way. And it took a missionary to invite me to do something about it. Had I not been invited, I wouldn't have been thinking about it, and I wouldn't have had that experience, and Felix wouldn't have joined the church. So as a young missionary, as I think about the, the principle and preach my gospel on page 160, talk with everyone. Uh, that includes the bishop. That includes the members of the church. We often think talk with everyone means the non-members. Of course, that's important, but, but we ought to talk to everyone. I think if our missionaries always have a miracle on their lips, the members will always ask, ask you as a, as a missionary, so, Elder, how's the work going? But they don't really want to know. They just are passing you know by is uh, like what we might say to somebody so how you doing as we walk right on by him well if a missionary will have a, a miracle on their lips something where they've seen the lord doing his work in in this area i think that builds faith both in the missionaries but i think it also builds faith in in the members uh and that prepares them to say wow the lord is working in this area there are people that, that we can be helping to come to know the Savior. Yes, and it also explains the right way that a missionary approached a member of the church, and in, in my experience, someone serving as a bishop at that time, as opposed to the wrong way, because many times missionaries go into homes and do it the exact same way for everyone. In other words, this is my approach with Brian, this is my approach with Sean, and this is my approach with John and their families, the same approach. Missionaries ought to be looking at every member in the ward no differently than they look at every non-member that they're working with. Everyone is at a different place. Just like the non-members they're working with, there could be someone that smokes and someone that doesn't smoke, and you would approach those two families differently. I'm not applying that either one of you two smoke. <laughs> but in terms of missionary work, a missionary going into your home, Brian, would approach you differently and work with you differently than going into Sean's home. And, and this experience I had was one that was tailored specifically to me. Sean, a minute ago you mentioned the importance of, of connecting with the, with the children in a home. Sometimes we, we go into a home to work with the members and we we don't pay attention to the, to the young men and the young women in the home or the, the young adult in the home. 
we, we go directly to mom and dad when in reality the most likely people in that home to act and to invite and to help a friend is probably the youth or the young adult living in that home. Uh, youth are simply just more willing to embrace the gospel. They're more willing to come and see. They're more willing to uh, come and be a part of an activity, um, whether that's a youth activity or to come and experience a devotional or a fireside or be a part of family home evening. Uh, so if I were a missionary, I wouldn't overlook the, the youth and the young adults. Um, now, as a missionary, if I wanted to get to know the young men in my ward, well, they're at the sacrament table preparing, uh, getting ready to, to, to pass it or to bless it. And I would want to get up there. I'd want to know their names. I'd want to know what school they go to. What do they like to do? Get to know the youth of your ward. Uh, and in doing so, you'll build really great relationships. And I think that they're willing to share the gospel. It's all about having a mindset of, I am assigned to this area, this ward, or perhaps two wards, and how can I leverage my efforts in blessing their lives while finding the sheep that the Lord has? And so as I develop these relationships, I am better able to be in their homes now and inviting them and asking them for help in, in this great work. And I, I think, I think the church provides an opportunity for missionaries to interact with a lot of members. Uh, missionaries could spend hours and hours and hours going out into all the members' homes. One of the things the missionaries will say when they get to an area is, I, I've got to know all the members. Well, guess what? The active ones are all coming to church on Sunday. That's a great time to have what you might call Sunday conversations. So tell me about you. Uh, how long have you been a member in this uh, of this ward? Uh, what have you learned about missionary work in this ward? And just having those conversations to build a rapport with the members right there at church, um, I, I think can be very fruitful, very effective. Tell me who you're thinking about. Uh, tell me who you know that that's new to the area. In the last several years, who are the missionaries teaching that you don't see here now? Uh, do you know any of those people? And, and so these Sunday conversations where the members come to you, really, I don't have to take a lot of time getting out in all of the members' homes. And the starting point, as it says on page 164, is the bishop. Connect with the bishop and build that relationship with him and offer to help and serve in any way, righteous way, that he asks and, and you should be regularly asking yourself, and I'm quoting right from Preach My Gospel, am I a blessing or a burden to the bishop? Can I give an example of that? My son is serving in the Dominican Republic, assigned to a, a small branch. And when I say a small branch, more like a twig, right? Because there was one active member in this little branch, the branch president. He was a young adult, single, a young single adult, actually, a return missionary, and he, he was the church there. And uh, the previous missionaries had not built a relationship with him. Uh, and so the, the work, it was a small town. The work suffered. Not a whole lot happened in this area. It might be one of those areas in your mission. You go, oh, please don't send me to this area. Um, but, but as my son arrived there, he began to look for opportunities. We sat down and, and, and through a call, we looked at this section 
uh, and he began to, he started, as it says, with the bishop, or in this case, the branch president, and he built a relationship. Well, this branch president, feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders, was also trying to, trying to build a home. And so the two missionaries would go to the branch president's home and, and help him build his home, clear the land, and and uh, so forth, and and build a, such a great rapport that this branch president, who who didn't engage with the missionaries because they just didn't work with him, they weren't interested in him, all of a sudden became a third missionary in this area. Really, uh, my son, when he left the area, wrote this branch president a letter, and he said. You've been my best companion. Uh, that was the rapport and the relationship he had with this branch president. And the work began to grow because he was involved. These principles from Preach My Gospel are wonderful, aren't they? they? Really if, are. if we can just learn to apply them, we, we see the miracle happen in missionary work every day. Sometimes it's easier for a member to be involved in missionary work without having to be the finder all the time. And so I think one, one approach missionaries can take is just to invite members into the work with them. When can you go out with us? When can you, when can you just spend time with us? It doesn't matter what the missionary is doing. Uh, if, if a member is involved, it builds faith in the member. And I think that uh, inviting a member to open their door uh, to have those you're finding be taught in their home or to rather than feed the missionaries all the time, is there somebody that you could be feeding? Uh, we encouraged our missionaries not necessarily to eat with the members all the time. And there's lots of reasons behind that. But one sister kind of got upset with me as the mission president and said, what do you mean? I've been feeding the missionaries for, for the last 30 years, and now you're telling me I can't feed them. I said, no, no, I'm not saying you can't feed them. But sister, are there people in your life that you could be feeding that need it more than the missionaries? See, the missionaries need people to teach. They don't really need food. Uh, well, I, uh, my 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 daughter's boyfriend is not a member. Well, rather than inviting the missionaries, what if you were to invite your, your daughter's uh, boyfriend to eat in your home? Well, I guess I could do that. And so sometimes a missionary can work with the members by helping the member rather than being so overly focused on taking care of the needs of the missionary. How can, how can we work with them to help the people who really need it? Uh, sister, could you invite this family? We met this family. We're bringing them to church. Would you sit by them at church? At some point during church, would you invite them to your home for dinner this afternoon? Can you imagine if if members, if missionaries could help members uh, fellowship the people that we're finding, how that would grow their faith in their own ability to find? So this idea of building super trust with members, I think, is so important. Um, and as I, I thought of a few things that we can do to build strong with relationships with members, um, beginning with the bishop being really that, that most important one, and also the ward mission leader and the entire ward council, if we can build trust with that group and then from them to all the other members, that's when things really start to happen. So here's a couple thoughts that I have. Number one is to respect their time. Missionaries are full-time servants, and they almost expect that the members have full-time as well. So set appointments 
with members. Don't just always drop in. Keep appointments. Yeah, and keep the appointments. Be on time to those. <laughs> be punctual was my second point. Call if you've been detained. Um, three, keep your visits brief and powerful. Leave them wanting. You never want to overlinger. When, when you are brief and you leave before they really wanted you to leave, it gives this sense that these missionaries are urgent. They have tons of work going on. There's lots happening, and the members feel like they want to be part of that urgent work. Sometimes our appointment is just, it's an appointment with finding. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's we've got we've to be about this work. So the next thing I think is to really focus on the positive with the members. Don't be critical of members or, or talk about them in terms of their, uh, it, like in terms of like, oh, these other members aren't helping or it, we feel like in this word, nobody helps us out. That negative sense. Instead, always talk about them in terms of their potential and in appreciation for what they do. Wow, this is the, this is the best members in the whole mission here in this mission. You know, you talk about them that way and they rise to that level of expectation. I think that's key, Sean, that uh, a wise missionary will get up and fast in testimony meeting and just say things like, this is, this is the friendliest ward of my mission. Yeah. This is the most missionary-minded ward. Uh, and then to give all the credit to the members. If anything is good, anything good that happens in your area, you're giving credit to the members. Yeah, it's it's so much better to inspire them to rise to a level than to to criticize them for not being like your last area. That's the first thing that's going to completely shut them down. Well, what if what if a missionary got more excited about helping a member have a really positive missionary experience more than who do you have for us to teach? Yeah. But rather the, the the paradigm shifted to not how can you help me, but I, I really want to help you and, and helping them have a really positive experience. That's really when they're fulfilling their purpose. Yeah. Think of getting a note from, from the missionaries uh, that, that, challenged, that invited you to, to go have a missionary experience. And Brother Bishop Gonzalez, we just want to thank you for taking that invitation. And we just think it's so amazing what you did. And just drop that off on the doorstep. Didn't take any time. You got that note, and you feel their appreciation. You want to, you want to do things, or, or even an acknowledgement of a, a member's birthday. Hey, we know, noticed it was a, there was a, a list you can get from that ward clerk that has the members' birthdays, and we're just thinking about you today on your birthday. All of those things just build this positive rapport. Another one would be to share your miracles with them. We can't wait to tell you about an experience that we had last night. It was amazing. And you bring them in to the, the flow and the feeling of miracles that are happening in your area. Or we're seeing the hand of the Lord in our work every day. We'd love to tell you about how he's been blessing us. Like, wow, the Lord's blessing these missionaries. I'd like my friend to be part of those blessings. And then uh, uh, the last point I would say here is, is uh, build up their children. Parents care about the welfare of their children more than anything else. They are endeared to anyone who helps them with their children. Compliment their children, serve their children. You might even video message into a family home evening to share a brief thought in a way to, to build up their children. All of those things just continue to put you in, in this good light. And then this last thing, this is from President Eyring about this. He's, he says, so increasing convert baptism by working with member referrals, he says two points. First, don't nag. Don't nag. You will not help the members by reminding them of their duty. 
Guilt does not motivate people very well to offer referrals or to love new members. Second, don't beg. More than a few missionaries have come to my home to plead for referrals, and in too many cases they sounded like insurance agents desperate for a sale. You can build in your missionaries something else, a love of the gospel and a love of people. So don't nag, don't beg. Um, those other points that I made, I think all of those things go into this concept of developing a super trust with members, and that will pay dividends like almost nothing else you can do in finding. I, I went through my Preach My Gospel, and I circled uh, verbs when it comes to missionaries working with members, and these were the verbs, help, 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 <laughs> help, teach, encourage. Help, lift, build. That's the role of the missionary. Sean, what are some things we do in the church today where missionaries can help members focus on that which they're already doing and engaging non-members with them that will develop relationships that will lead to opportunities to teach? Yeah, I, I think um, you know family history is actually becoming one of the, the largest hobbies in the world. And not, this isn't just for members of the church. In fact, way more people outside of the church are using family search and the church's tools than those within the church. And so I think one of the things that we can do is we can connect our members who are family search experts or who have a love for family history and so forth with the people that we're teaching as we talk to the people we're teaching about family history, rather than feeling like you as a missionary have to be an expert on that. You can take them to the family history center. If you have one where you are, if you don't, you know, the members who are the family history consultants, you can bring them to them and you get people that love family history going together. And you're like, my work is done here, right? The temple and family history leader in the ward can help missionaries in terms of their efforts to leverage family history with those they're teaching. And I would add, Sean, that those members in the ward that love family history have friends who are not members of the church, and you can invite them to work with their friends on family history. That's so good. I, I, I see that making a big difference. You remember when President Nelson said, if I were a missionary today, and that got my attention, <laughs> if President Nelson were a missionary today, he said, my two best friends would be the ward mission leader and the temple and family history consultant. I thought that was interesting. That The first one makes sense, but then he opened our eyes to the second one. These great people who can come in and help fire people up in regards to family history work. And, and something as simple as this. In the church, culturally, we are so busy doing our church work, which is wonderful. I remember years ago when I was an investigator for the government knocking on doors and I was investigating a, a member of the church who was being considered for a sensitive government job. And so I was talking to the neighbors about uh, this neighbor of theirs. And so one neighbor said, oh, they're wonderful people. We don't know them that well. You know, they're Mormons. That's the term she used at the time. We don't see them a lot because they're so busy in their church. And it just struck me at the time that 
we are so busy that we forget about everyone around us that we have positive uh, interactions with that we're not spending time with. And so if missionaries could go in and help the John Gonzalez recognize, Brother Gonzalez, just take a pause. Have you ever thought of inviting a couple of neighbors just for a barbecue? You don't even have to talk about the church. Just invite them over to have a positive experience and then let that grow from there. Missionaries could be doing a wonderful service throughout the world, just inviting members to stop and think and engage with your neighbors and other friends that, that you haven't taken the time to do yet. I, I love that. It's helping them live the principles of love, share, and invite. And, uh, you know, as we work with members as a missionary, it, it doesn't matter if we're helping them. Maybe we're helping them do some work online or through technology or through social media. It doesn't matter if we're helping them connect with somebody who lives in our area or not. Sometimes as missionaries, we, we get solely focused on our area. That, But when we're working with members, can we help them share the gospel no matter where the person lives? We just want to help them share the gospel. I'm confident that the Lord wants missionaries to work with members because it will build the faith of three different groups of people. And the Lord's very interested in building faith. If we work with the members to help them share the gospel, it will build the faith of the members. It will build the faith of the missionaries, and it will build the faith of those that we're teaching. I think the Lord wants to maximize the, the, the growth of, of faith in each person. What about referrals? Did you get referrals in your mission when you were there? Yeah, referrals can come from lots of different places, right? We have uh, referrals from members, obviously, uh, those that we're working with, current investigators. Well, you mentioned earlier that uh, oftentimes we're so focused, we're asking members to help us with people in their area. Oftentimes those members have friends who live outside of our areas, and they may refer a friend who lives in another mission. And uh, these are the referrals that missionaries will be getting, and it's critical that missionaries act on that quickly. Yeah, and on our Tools app, um, it's really pretty awesome how now a referral coming from a different part of the country or a different part of the state uh, that person can play a role with the current missionaries. I can know, if I give a referral on tools, I can know who the missionaries are I'm referring it to. I have the contact information for those missionaries. And so when a missionary gets a referral, I think the first priority would be contact the member that's giving the referral. And, and let's work together of how we can best approach this person. So I think that would be the first contact was, was who is this referral coming from? Let's connect with them. How, how can we best approach your friend? How did this referral come about? How do you know them? What would they most be interested in? Would it be the Book of Mormon? Would it be learning about family history? Uh, would it be learning about families and the role of the family in the gospel? Um, and so I think we begin to work with that person if, if they're willing and available. They can also be part of the teaching. With technology now, they can, they can be a part of a, a video chat or through Zoom and, and, and be a part of that. And then we have to act quickly. The scripture I'd like to share is in Alma 15, verses 4 and 5. And you have the, this missionary companionship, Alma and Amulek. And there's a non-member 
there's been a referral for a non-member. His name is Yezrum. We won't go into his backstory because his future is much brighter than his past. As we read this scripture in Alma 15, verses 4 and 5, pay attention to the word immediately. Now when he had heard that Alma and Amulek were in the land of Sidon, his heart began to take courage, and he sent a message immediately unto them, desiring them to come unto him. And it came to pass that they went immediately, obeying the message which he had sent unto them. And they went in unto the house unto Zezrum, and they found him upon his bed, sick, being very low with a burning fever. And his mind also was exceedingly sore because of his iniquities. And when he saw them, he stretched forth his hand, and he besought them that they would heal him. I, I love this idea, and, and reading this through the, through the lens of a referral. When a, when a referral is sent in, it suggests that a person is ready. And they're ready in that moment. Uh, and if missionaries delay or, well, we'll get to that referral sometime later in the week, we miss the opportunity for a person who's ready then. That can change quickly. And so I think missionaries within about 24 to 48 hours ought to be reaching out and connecting with any of these media referrals, any of these referrals coming from uh, from church headquarters, from a member that lives in a different area, right? You can use members to help you. So don't feel that the burden is all on yourself. If you get a referral after talking to the member in the other state or in the other mission and getting information from them, it could very well be that you reach out to the ward mission leader or some other individual in the ward. Could you make contact for us? Because we can't. But the, the underlying goal there is to get to them immediately and make that connection. And sometimes you receive a referral for one person, but it's quite a different person in that home that's prepared to receive the missionaries and to receive the message. And so, uh, again, as we follow up with a referral, we ought to use all the same principles we've been talking about in, in chapter 9. We ought to be warm. We ought to be engaging. We ought to ask, who else do you know? Who else lives in the home? Who else could we, could we share this message with? And, and oftentimes, these referrals lead to even more people to teach. As we, as we think about the importance of members and, and their ability to connect with people in their life, uh, we, we became really good friends with a family in Long Beach and uh, through our association, as we went out to eat together, as we, as we became just good, good friends, um, uh, this brother became interested in the gospel. And uh, we were able to uh, connect him with our missionaries. He was taught in a mission home. But one thing he told the missionaries is, elders, if you'd have come to my home, I, I wouldn't have listened to you. He was only accessible because of his relationship with a member of the church. Uh, and, and so that to me that highlights that there are certain people that only a member can reach. And those relationships that members have the ability to build, uh, that just if the missionaries were to find them on the street or the missionaries were to knock on their door, they would make an excuse to, to not listen or they just weren't interested in that time. And so to me it just highlights the need to work with members because they're part of that 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 stream that we talked about in the in the, in the last episode uh there's some we can only find through members of the church and if we remind ourselves of our missionary purpose my purpose is to invite the members of the ward 
to which we're assigned to come unto Christ by helping those members, those active members, and those that perhaps are not that active, by helping them receive the restored gospel of Jesus Christ through faith in Christ and his atonement, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. And what's the repentance that the members need to be involved in? They need to repent or change what they're doing in terms of gathering Israel on this side of the veil. Now, I wouldn't advise you go in and say, repent, <laughs> you evil people. Does not build super trust. No, you, you need to help build their faith, no different like you would someone you're teaching who's not a member of the church. Build their faith sufficiently that they can change and be involved in the work of salvation in bringing others to Christ. Can, can I give a shout-out to the ward clerk? He doesn't get many shout-outs, right? But we've talked about the importance of the bishop and starting with the bishop. But the ward clerk can be a dear friend to the missionaries. He has the, the unique capacity to create really important lists that missionaries would just learn to love these lists. These lists might include uh, children of record, those that were blessed as children but were never baptized uh, because of their families becoming less active or because of circumstances in life that took them outside of the church. Uh, those lists can be really effective, right? To, to help a family that has a little 9-year-old, a little 10-year-old that, that wasn't baptized, because of life circumstances or whatever they may be, uh, that a family could rally around this ordinance. And as the missionaries teach this nine-year-old, this 10-year-old, they get to teach a whole family. And that family feels the spirit of, of, of the gospel once again. Oh, we, I was baptized at eight. I would love to have our son baptized. Uh, and you bring back a whole family as you teach this little nine-year-old or ten-year-old. Well, I can get those lists from the ward clerk. From the ward clerk, I can get a list of those that are part member families. I can get a, a list of the recent converts over the last five years. But think of all the people that were baptized in this area in the last five years. They're connected to so many people, right? And these are members, these recent converts. They might be less active members at this point. Uh, the prospective elder list, uh, there's just, the ward clerk is a gift, and he's so overlooked. I would become a good friend with the ward clerk if I was a missionary. I had an experience using one of those lists in the mission field, and we, we stumbled upon a family where the, the mom hit was less active. She had two sons that were baptized at eight and now had gone less active. They were teenagers, and then they had a little 10, I think she was 11 years old, named Samantha, who had never was baptized because of that inactivity of the family. We showed up at the door. Uh, we talked to them. We found out. We, we said, we noticed that Samantha's never joined the church and tell us your story. And Sister Berenger talked all about her um, inactivity and how she'd fallen away and, and how she just was feeling bad about that and would totally embraced us being able to teach her daughter. So in the meantime, we taught Samantha. Her two teenage sons were there for every lesson, became activated. She became activated. Um, she ends up, they all, Samantha gets baptized. They all come back to church. They get a home teacher who comes, who's actually a single man, and he magnified his calling so well 
that he not only visited once a month, it became multiple times and they ended up getting married. And I went back 20 years later uh, to, to my mission and she was the Relief Society president. But it was working with really 11-year-old girl to get her baptized. But that story was much more about what happened to the entire family. So we've talked about a lot over the last couple episodes. Uh, and there's so much more we could have said about finding people to teach. But in the first episode on chapter nine that we, we shared, we, we, we talked about the variety of ways to find through our own efforts. And then in this episode, we've been focused primarily on finding through, through members of the church. But we know that as we have a, a mindset of urgency, as we understand that this is the Lord's work and we're his instruments, and we exercise faith that the Lord will guide us to those who are prepared, that this is one area of missionary work where you will experience incredible miracles, critical miracles. And we hope that you make this a fun process. This is like a challenge, you know, to, to find those who have been prepared. What, what could be more fun than waking up every morning and just having that on your mind? I'm going out there to literally help find somebody that I can connect to Heavenly Father. Um, with, with that mindset in mind, I think we think that you're in for some, some incredible uh, experiences as missionaries. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast and that it helps you in your study of Preach My Gospel and preparing you for your mission. Please join us for our next episode. And if you feel this podcast might be helpful to others preparing to serve a mission, please invite them to join us on our journey through and discovery of Preach My Gospel. For more information on how to get institute credit for this podcast and other offerings by the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. Feel free to send questions or comments to preachmygospelpodcast at gmail.com. The Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast is produced with the permission of the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their own experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these podcast episodes.